thank you for your faithfulness throughout the week. It's been great to be with Pastor Thelander and his family and Pastor Greg and his family and everybody else here. And uh, hasn't, it, hasn't it been wonderful to, to be around uh, the crazy man? <laughs> it's just been a delight for me to be with Marcus this week. I, I love who he is. He's that way in a restaurant. So if you don't want that, don't go with him anywhere. He's, he's the same way, and that's, that's just who he is. And I'll never forget all the children up here night after night. And if your child participated, they'll never forget it either. They'll always remember that there's a place for them, not just in the pew or in children's church, but there's a place for them in the main life of the church. And uh, I thank God for that. So thank you, Marcus, for the music, all the musicians, everybody. It's uh, been great to be here, and thank you. Scripture tonight comes from Psalm 37. Psalm 37, if you'll open your Bibles with me, it will be on the screen, I think, for those of you who didn't think to bring your Bible, but I invite you to stand with me while I read to you. This has become one of uh, my favorite uh, passages of Scripture in recent days, and I've done so much, um, had so many conversations with so many people where I've taken them to Psalm 37, and I'd like to take you to Psalm 37 tonight, and maybe God will speak a word into your life that's just what you need to hear. So listen for him while I'm talking. Don't just listen to me, but listen for him to speak into your life tonight. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and create faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do this. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the person or the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord or those who hope in the Lord, they will inherit the land. That's a very good word, isn't it? Amen. Very good word. Thank you so much. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Life has a way of hemming us in. Have you ever had a time, I shouldn't say that, except for young people, they may not yet have had this time, but most of us have had a time in our lives when there was really no way to turn, no place to turn, no place to go, no, no real good options for us. We felt almost like we were in a prison. We couldn't, we couldn't get away from it. We couldn't seem to get over it. We couldn't seem to get through it. We couldn't find a way around it. And uh, it, would, it crowded into every waking thought, and it awakened us in the middle of the night, 
it was like we were having a nightmare all the time, hemmed in, shut in, unable to move forward, just locked in a time and space. Prisoners, prisoners of circumstances, prisoners of past behavior, prisoners of fear about the future, uh, prisoners of relationships that poison our lives and uh, lead us into activities or thoughts that we know are not healthy, not good for us. Uh, prisoners to addictions, prisoners to emotional struggles. Life has a way of hemming us in. Financial stress hemmed in, unable to move forward. And that, that kind of life eventually will lead to fretting. Now, the word fret here in Psalm 37 isn't the kind of fretting when you see somebody tapping their fingers and sweating and worrying. The word fret here uh, has reference to seething anger. It's a deep-seated anger that grips us and, and takes hold of us. And it colors all of our words. It colors all of our responses. It colors all of our thoughts. Uh, we, we, we say things that the moment we say them, we wish we hadn't said them. Words filled with poison, words that rob other people of their sense of who they are. Awful, terrible things that we think. We're just hemmed in and, and a, a spirit of hostility grips us and holds us. We're, we're like prisoners. And life crowds in on Christians as well. Uh, you know that. Many of you here, if not all of you, have made a commitment to Christ. And sometimes we feel like we're hemmed in. There just doesn't seem to be any way to go. And sometimes we feel that anger and frustration about the circumstances we're facing. Uh, sometimes we're put in a position that was really not our fault. Somebody else did this and we pay the price. Uh, my sister's husband has... Uh, the early forms of dementia. In, in fact, it's more than the early forms. And for a while, she was so angry about that. She, was, she felt like her whole world was collapsing and that she couldn't move and she couldn't do anything. She couldn't make any decisions. She couldn't make any plans. She was like a prisoner to her circumstances. And it took her a long time, four, five, six years, to begin to release all that to God, to not be angry at God, to not be frustrated with God's what she thought was his neglect. Why doesn't God do something? She would say to me on the phone. And I kept saying he is doing something. Well, what's he doing? Well, I don't know. He's always up to something. But I don't know what he's doing. But God's always on the move. And God's always at work. Hemmed in. Circumstances. Life. There's a word here at the 11th or the 9th verse, uh, the 11th verse of this, um, the 9th verse of this passage. I'll get it here in a minute. You just hang on with me. He talks about, he talks about uh, those who, who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. For those who are, are, are hoping in the Lord, they become prisoners of their hope not prisoners of circumstances but prisoners of our hope 
I don't know if he had in mind something like Zechariah says in his prophecy. He gives a wonderful prophetic word about the coming of the Christ to people who've been imprisoned in Babylon. And he says to them in chapter 9, I believe, first 11, he says, rise up, all you prisoners of hope, and go back to the fortress. Now, they'd been imprisoned by the Babylonians. But what he's saying is you lived not so much aware of your Babylonian captivity as you lived aware of God's promised deliverance. So you you were able to survive and thrive where you were because you were imprisoned by hope. So you moved forward in hope even when everything was at a standstill. You continued to sing songs about hope. And if you look at the old Negro spirituals, and I can use that word in a proper sense because it's a way we look back on the the spirituals that came out of the deep south. Those were all songs about deliverance, not so much about where they were living, but songs about a great hope. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming to carry me home. That's the hope. And over and over again, you hear that cry come out of those who were locked in slavery. They were prisoners of the hope of God. They believed that deliverance would come, that salvation would come. If only in the coming of Christ, they knew that they were prisoners of something greater than slavery to man. They were prisoners of hope. And that's what this chapter is all about, is learning to live as a prisoner of hope. And there are several things that would rob us of our ability to do so. The first is sometimes we become imprisoned by other people's actions and words and thoughts. So the writer says here, trust in the Lord, in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do the right thing. Trust in the Lord. No matter what anybody else does or what anybody else says, you trust in the Lord and you do what Jesus would do. Now, Jesus put it this way. He said, when, when someone asks you to go one mile, then you just give them an extra mile as a plus. When someone strikes you on one cheek, you offer them the other cheek. <laughs> we don't like that, do we? we but, but he's saying, no matter what anybody else does, do not let other people provoke you into doing something or saying something that's out of character for who you are. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord to deal with the person who takes advantage of you. Trust in the Lord to deal with the person who hurts you. Trust in the Lord to to, to work in the life of the person who offends you. Trust in the Lord to work in the life of your beloved, your husband, your wife, your mother, your father. Uh, I, I said some words to Patty's mother once. I said a lot of words to them, but one particular time, and I deeply offended them. And uh, I heard Patty on the phone with them one night. She was talking to them. And uh, evidently they told her they were never coming back to see us again. That if she wanted to see them, she'd have to go see them. Now, I didn't cuss them out or anything, but deeply offended uh, her mother. And her father was a fierce defender of her mother. And uh, just not listening in, but walking through the room, I heard Patty say this. She said, When Johnny realizes what he said, he'll apologize. He'll apologize. And uh, that uh, struck my heart deeply, and I did call them and ask for their forgiveness, and they granted me forgiveness, and, and all was well. But there was an opportunity where a family could be held hostage to a situation and a circumstance 
Somebody had to do the Jesus thing, and it was my responsibility to do that. That was my task. Your pastor did the Jesus thing tonight in saying, I, I had an opportunity yesterday, and I failed to take advantage of that opportunity. Don't, don't be imprisoned to the failure to act. Be imprisoned to the hope we have. Trust in the Lord and do the right thing. Do the Jesus thing. I was talking to a a young, uh, relatively young, I'm going to say hot-headed, maybe I should say just very enthusiastic pastor. And he had a a penchant for saying everything he thought the minute he thought it. And that tends to produce a lot of conflict in the church. and, And he was in trouble where he was pastoring and was talking to me, he was wanting to move. And uh, I talked to him one day and I said, you know, called him by name, I said, you know, until you yield your temperament to the sanctifying grace of God, if you don't do that, you're going to crash and burn. You're going you're to say too many of those hasty thoughts and speak too many hasty words and you're going to crash and burn. So I called him again and I talked to him and I said, let me, let me read to you from Psalm 37. So I read these 11 verses to him. And when I got done, now this is a Nazarene pastor. He, he said, so I said, you just, whatever happens, you just trust in the Lord and do the Jesus thing. And he said, well, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> And I didn't say what I was thinking at the time, but I was thinking at the time, my stars, man, I'm not giving you my opinion here. I'm reading the word of God to you. This is what God says. This isn't what I'm saying. This is what the word says. Trust in the Lord. Do not be a prisoner to what other people do or don't do. We just rise above it. We trust in the Lord and we do the right thing. That saves us from broken relationships. Even if somebody tries to break the relationship, they can't break it on our part. We're going to trust in the Lord and do the right thing. It'll bring a deeper harmony to your marriage. It'll bring greater relationship with your children. When we were going through the difficult time with our son, Patty and I had planned to meet him. And I said, I'm going, to say, I'm going to tell him this and I'm going to tell him that. And she said, you've already told him that. You don't need to tell him again. You've already told him that. He knows that you think that, so you don't have to tell him again. And uh, it was hard for me not to do that because I didn't think he heard me the first time (laughs) or the fourth time or the fifth time. And I finally realized he wasn't going to hear me if I'd said it a thousand times. It had to come from someone else. Do not be a prisoner to what other people do or say. Trust in the Lord and do the right thing. The second thing that he says is, that there are, there are things and desires that will imprison us. Have you ever wanted something really, really badly? You, you just saw something. Maybe it was a new car or a certain kind of car or a, a piece of clothing or I, I don't know what it could be, a piece of property, a different kind of house. You just you wanted that so badly. You, that's what you began to think about. And you became frustrated when things didn't work out. And sometimes, you know, you go and you, you put yourself under financial stress to, to get something and you become a prisoner of the very thing that you wanted so much. You kind of become imprisoned to that thing. How do we remedy that? Well, we, we, we delight in the Lord. We make him the great delight of our lives. 
We don't allow things to dominate our world and dominate our circumstances. If I could do what I really wanted to do, I'd just boot Jack Kirk right out of his house and off his land and I'd take it away from him. He has lived my dream. And uh, I'm, I'm just struggling so not to be envious and jealous. But all those horses out there, it's like you've died and gone to heaven. Just walking in there and smelling everything about a horse just renews and revives me. Uh, I just, it's just, I was able to go out and ride some the other day. And I just thought, this is mine. This should be mine. I, sh- this, I should have this. And if I had my own personal way, my human way, that's what I'd, I'd be doing, something like that. But I'm delighting in the Lord. And I'm finding delight in doing the will of God. And every once in a while I run across somebody like that who lets me enjoy that for a little while and kind of satisfies my appetite for a little while. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll change your desires. You say, I can't live without that. Well, you delight yourself in the Lord and you'll find you can live quite nicely without that. You don't have to be imprisoned by that. You don't have to be locked into a long-term debt that suffocates you in order to have something that deteriorates and erodes and loses value. You You don't have to live under that kind of bondage. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart because he changes our desires. And that doesn't mean we don't think about what would be nice to have. It doesn't do away with our ability to think. But it does keep us from becoming prisoners. And sometimes we enslave our families because of desires for things that we really don't need and can't afford. And and we live in a prison. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. And you'll find great joy. I don't regret the day that I said yes to Lord, the Lord about my call to preach. Some of my friends say, I thought you retired. What's wrong with you? And I said, I did retire from what the church asked me to do. But I don't find anywhere in the Bible where I can retire from what God called me to do. There's no place in there that I can find that. So... I'm going to do what God called me to do as long as there's an open door to do it. And if people quit calling me, I'll just go stand in the backyard and preach to myself. (laughs) Delight yourself. And I find great delight and joy in doing the thing God called me to do. And then verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he will do it. And he'll bring forth your righteousness like the noonday sun. Your rightness, your righteousness will shine forth as you commit your way to the Lord. I, I referenced earlier this week, we went through a, quite a long season with one of our children, our, our son, who got away from God and went through some hard circumstances that put him in circumstances that, that were so difficult. And I, uh, my, my, my worry for him and Patty's worry, it was the, the last thing I thought about at night the first thing I thought about in the morning and it tried to crowd into every waking hour of my life. And there were times when we were 10,000 miles away from home and we'd get a call from our daughter and there was a crisis at home. And I'd have to say to her, 
I'm, I'm 48 hours from home. I'm 24 hours from an airport. And I don't care where you go in the world, if you get far away from home, you're 24 hours away from the United States. You, you just can't get there with all the connections. It just takes that long. 48 hours away from home. And, and uh, there was a deep need. And that thing crawled on my back, wake up in the middle of the night, couldn't go back to sleep. I finally learned that I can trust in the Lord, that he loves my son more than I love him, and that he hasn't forsaken us, and he hasn't forsaken him. So I'd, to commit your way to the Lord means to roll it over on him. Roll it over on him. So I would roll it over on him, and it would crawl back on. So I would roll it over on him again. And it becomes a practice. You just consciously, intentionally roll it over on the Lord. That doesn't mean you don't worry, but it means you're no longer a prisoner to that circumstance. You're not imprisoned by something you can't change. You're committing it to the one who can change it. And God is faithful, and he works, and sometimes it takes a long time to move through those circumstances. But he works, and he never stops working. He goes where I can't go. He speaks in places where I can't speak. And I learned that the best thing for me to do in the middle of the night was just to pray back to him the psalm. So I memorized some of the psalms so I could lay in bed at night and I could say, now, Lord, you're my shepherd and I don't need to be in want here. And you're, you're going to lead me to a good place a place where I can lie down and rest and a place where I can find refreshment and cool water. You're going to restore my soul. You're going to take care of me. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to be right there with me. And your rod and staff, they're going to comfort me. You're going to prepare a table for me. You're going to supply my need right in the middle of this difficult time. I don't have to be imprisoned in this. You're going to supply my need. And sometimes I'd just fall asleep in the middle of offering back to God his promises. Commit your way to the Lord. Over and 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 over again until it becomes just a habit to commit it back into the hands of the Lord. If, if you're wrong in a situation, repent of that and then commit the consequences to him. Turn it over to him. We don't have to live under that awful sense of, of suffocation when these things crowd into our lives. And they surely will crowd into the lives of the believer as in the life of the unbeliever. But we roll it over on him. And finally, he says, uh, he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Uh, patience is not one of my strengths. It's not one of my natural gifts. I like everything to happen now. Uh, I'm not very good at refurnishing furniture. I'm not very good at, at, at building something because I just want to throw it together and get it done. So I'm not a craftsman. Uh, I'm not good at painting. I just sling paint everywhere. There are not many things that I can do. I, I'm pretty limited in my abilities. So I'm not, I'm not a person who likes to wait. You know, there are two. How, how are we to wait? That's the question. 
We all know we have to wait, but how are we going to wait? And there are two waiting rooms that I think of in the hospital. And the one is the intensive care ward. <clears throat> Outside intensive care, there's a waiting room. And when you go into the intensive care, you see little huddles of families and, and they're waiting. When a nurse comes out, everybody kind of gets on edge. But when a doctor, doctor walks out, everybody hopes to God that he's not coming to them. Because when the doctor comes out, that's not good news. People waiting in intensive care usually wait with a heaviness and a dread. It's, it's a hard place to be. And then there's the maternity ward. And everybody's on the edge of their seat. And every time the door opens, everybody gets up. They're, they're waiting eagerly. They're waiting for the door to open. They're expecting a word about their daughter, their wife, their mother. They're expecting a word, a good word, about a boy or a girl who's entered the world. And so they're waiting eagerly. One writer says they're waiting on tiptoe with joy. You know, when you, when you really get up on your tiptoes, when you fall, you nearly always fall forward. I had to be sure I was going to fall on this step here because I could really have demonstrated that if I'd missed that step. But you get on your tiptoes and you're leaning forward. You're leaning in. And God wants us to live that way, leaning into his promise, leaning into his grace, expecting the best from him, anticipating the answer to prayer, anticipating a solution to the problem, anticipating an opening of a door, just living, waiting, eagerly waiting for the Lord to come. He doesn't want us to sit and wring our hands and say, oh, woe is me, God, what are you doing? He wants us to live with our hands and arms open and say, oh, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I know the answer's on the way. I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know when it comes, but when it comes, I don't want to miss it. I, I want to receive it. I want to accept it. I, I want to enjoy it. I want to be blessed by it. So we wait with eager anticipation. Eager anticipation. Waiting for the answer to prayer. Well, the whole point of this message is this. God wants us to live as prisoners of hope. Not imprisoned by circumstances. Not imprisoned by earthly desires. Not imprisoned by the failure of other people or circumstances beyond our control. But always living with a sense of confidence and assurance that the Lord is on our side. And the Lord is on our way. He's going to answer prayer. We eagerly anticipate God's solution to our problems. If we don't do that, then we lose our joy in the Lord. We forfeit the peace that he wants us to have, the peace that passes all understanding, the, the peace that acts as a sentinel over the mind so that the troubling thoughts of Satan cannot get in. He, he saves us from that. The peace of God saves us from all that erratic behavior and that nonsensical thinking that robs us of our joy. So tonight as we uh, close this service, it, it could be that there are some here tonight and, and you've been trying to fix everything and everybody 
and you've, you've made some messes. You've, you've made some unnecessarily difficult relationships by not trusting in the Lord and doing the right thing. You just pushed the issue and shoved and pushed yourself in instead of letting God have time to prepare the way and help solve the problem. And maybe there are some who you just are carrying something tonight and, and you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to get away from it. You may not be able to get away from it, but I want to say to you, you don't have to carry that by yourself. Amen. You can roll it over on him. You'll have to roll it over again tomorrow and maybe the day after tomorrow. But pretty soon you'll learn and you won't have to roll it over quite as often because you'll learn more perfectly to trust and your trust will last longer than a day or a day and a half or three days or a week. Pretty soon you find you're sleeping through the night. And pretty soon you find there's a deeper peace in your heart. You're no longer imprisoned by that circumstance. You, you roll it over on him. And I, I believe there are some of us here tonight who live with a sense of dread and apprehension about what the future holds for us. God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to live with an eager anticipation for what he has. You're a prisoner of the child. You're a prisoner of God. You're a prisoner of hope. We have great hope in the Lord Jesus. And someday, our Jesus is coming back. Thanks be to God. I was on a plane headed to... to uh, uh, St. Louis from Orlando, Florida, I had a pulmonary embolism on the plane. And I remember uh, when I, I felt sick and I, I, did, I didn't know what was happening, but I knew something was happening that had never happened to me before and I just pushed the button for the flight attendant and I, I just said, I'm really sick. And by the time he got there, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't do anything, the pain in my chest was like, uh, I've had kidney stones, but that pain was like a hundred kidney stones at one time, a pain I can't get back in touch with, and I knew I was going to pass out, but when I did, I fell into light instead of darkness, Amen. and it was like somebody cut a hole in the top of my head, and I was just leaving, and I declare I was fine with that. Patty was sitting by me, and she seemed fine with it too, I learned later. <laughs> she thought it was okay. I just... I was headed home, and I, I could see out the, outside the plane. I couldn't see through the nose of the plane, but I could see outside the plane. And what I saw was a light brighter than the sun on a hot summer day. The thing I so distinctly remember is it didn't hurt my eyes to look at that light. I could have looked at it forever and felt drawn, and, and suddenly I was, I was back in my... Uh, my circumstances. So I've learned that death, and, and please don't misunderstand me, but death is a sham. It's a hoax. It's a lie of the devil. There is no death. There is no death. Your body ceases to live, but you as a person, you go immediately into the presence of the king. Immediately. There's no river to cross. There's no dark valley of the shadow of death. When Jesus went that way, he left scattered light all over the place. 
And uh, someone said it's like he left the back door on, the back door light on so we could get home. It's light all the way through. We have a great hope in the return of Christ. And when one of our loved ones dies or somebody dies, I have to be careful at funerals because I know it's, it's a hoax. There is a body there and it's, it grieves when we have to let go of those loved ones. But I declare if they're a follower of Christ, they have had a happy homecoming. And they don't, they're not going to wait weeks and months to do it. It's just like that. And they're in the presence of the living Christ. And we are people of hope. And God wants us to live, not only in that hope of his return, but in that hope of his abundant supply here and today in this life. Would you stand with me, please? And we're going to sing our, our theme chorus that we've been singing, I Want You More. And if you're all hemmed in tonight by something or some circumstance, I want you to know that one of the best things that can happen in revival is for some of us to get free of the things that have got us locked up, to be set free by the Son. Jesus said that, that the truth would set us free, and if the truth sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the truth is, Jesus has the answer to what's troubling anyone in this room tonight. Jesus has the answer. Now, Heavenly Father, in these closing moments of this, this series of services, I, I believe there may be some brothers and sisters here tonight who love you, but they feel like they're in some kind of prison. Circumstances. There may be some who feel imprisoned in a marriage. There's too much conflict and there's too many things piling up. Some are, are imprisoned by the memory of what somebody did or the fear of what somebody might do. All kinds of things and we become prisoners. I pray tonight that you'll call each one of us to be a prisoner of hope. Our hope is in Jesus. And I, I ask tonight you'd set some people free. Just set them free. It may not change their circumstances immediately, but give them that inner sense of contentment that you're in charge. You haven't forgotten. You're not neglected them. It's not that you don't remember what's happening. You kept assuring me and Patty over those long years, praying for our wonderful son. You, you kept reminding us, I know. I know, what's, I know what's happening. I know. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And we learn to lean more perfectly into your promises. And if someone needs to learn to lean into your promise tonight, draw them to this place of prayer. We ask in the name of Jesus. Some have already come and you may want to join them tonight. Just come right on for a good season of prayer. Let God set you free. Just let him set you free tonight. Let's sing together. I need you more, Father. Yeah. More than words can say. Yes. Amen. Sing it again, Mar uh, Marcus. I need you right now, Lord. I need you right now. 
I need you right now. One more time and then we're done. One more time. Sing it with him, would you? Sing it. I need you, Lord. If you need him right now, he's here. He wants to set you free. Just come and claim your freedom in Christ. Yeah. Amen. Well, now, you know, we need to come and pray with our brothers and sisters here. Just come right on. We're the body of Christ. Such a, that's not a play thing in the Bible. It's just a statement. We are the body of Christ, the church. So we're the hands and the feet and the eyes and ears of our Lord. If you need to slip out, we understand that. You may need to get your home, your kids home, get them to bed. That's perfectly all right. Feel free to do that. You may be seated, you can remain standing, whatever, while we pray tonight. Lord, we want to thank you right now for these words from your word. We want to thank you that, uh, that you're offering us a, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing life, a new way of approaching life. We, we want to be your prisoners. We want to be imprisoned by your love and the possibilities of your grace. We want to live in prison to the promises of answered prayer, of solutions to our problems, of freedom from sin, of, of uh, restoration of broken relationships. We want to live in the full promise of who you are and embrace who you are in this moment of our lives. We want to trust in you at this moment and do the right thing, do the Jesus thing. We want to learn to delight in you. There may be other things we'd like to do or like to have, but we want to delight in you. We want to find our greatest joy in you and, and let all the other things of this life find their place. Lord, we want to learn that we don't have to carry these heavy burdens alone. That You want to carry them and so we can roll them over on you. And when they climb back on our back, we can roll them over again. And when they get back on, we can roll them over again until it becomes our first response is to roll it over on you. And that doesn't mean we avoid our responsibilities and things, but it means when we've done all we can, we roll the rest of it over on you and we trust in you. We're going to leave it in your hands. And we're going to do everything we can as you give us opportunity but the consequences we're going to leave in your hands. We're not going to try to do that. And oh Lord, we want to learn to live, live with great eager anticipation for what you're doing. And I know right now Patty and I are facing a huge challenge in our lives. But we know, and Lord, you gave me a promise just a week ago tomorrow. You gave me a promise that the answer's on the way. You gave me great assurance, so I'm, I'm on tiptoe with joy anticipating how you're going to solve this problem and what you're going to do to glorify your name and to work it out. 
and, and, and I'm sleeping through the night. Now, Lord, I thank you for that. It's not waking me up in the middle of the night. You've given me great peace. I want to live that way. I want to wait patiently, eagerly for you. And you're teaching me how to do that. And I praise you for that. And I pray that you'll speak into the lives of our brothers and sisters here tonight and give them peace. And, and may, they, may, we, may we leave this place imprisoned to our hope in the Lord. That's what constrains us and surrounds us and controls us is our hope and faith that our God is always up to something and our God always has a plan and our God for some reason has chosen us in order to accomplish his purposes. So we live in eager anticipation for what you're going to do. I praise you, Father. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I glorify your name. I honor your name. My heart bows before you in adoration and thanksgiving. We thank you for answers that are coming. We thank you for solutions that are on the horizon. We thank you, Lord, that out there somewhere there is an open door and you're going to lead us to that open door and we're going to walk through it because we're prisoners of hope tonight. We're not enslaved by circumstances or other people or desires. We are prisoners of hope. I glorify the name of Jesus. I glorify the name of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Lord, I'm... I'm leaning into your promise tonight. I'm leaning into your promise. I want you more. I want you more. Let's sing it. Yeah. I need you more. That's right. More than words can say. Than ever before. I need you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Brother Marcus, I want us to sing that like we sing victory in Jesus. Amen. What a friend. Amen. I mean, that's an exclamation point. What a friend we have in Amen. Jesus. What a friend. I want you to stand and let's sing it triumphantly. What a friend we have in Jesus. Thanks be to God. Yes. Amen.
good he is so good to us and we do have victory in him before i can even ask somebody needs to just give a testimony so i'm going to hand it over to him and i I want him to share with you tonight what the lord's doing in his life so um we were singing you know uh, what a friend we have in jesus and it made me think of my day today um you know maybe someone else needed to hear this i don't know but I had to get up early for work today. I, I don't like early mornings. Um, they, don't, they don't cooperate with me very well. So as I was driving to work, you know, I prayed, Lord, help me with this day. Help it to be a good day and, you know, just all of that sort of thing. And it, and it was. It was a good day. And it made me think just how much God cares about the little things in our life. Our day-to-day, our work days, our day at home, you know, our cleaning day, our whatever it is. Uh, and it made me think of the verse, we do not have because we don't ask. So, you know, just, I just felt like that was important. Yeah, give God the hand. Anybody else just need to testify tonight? We need to, we need to declare what God's done in our life, Amen. This isn't a recent testimony, and I know we want to be careful as Christians growing in the Lord to speak something recent like Ben did, but Marcus, 
I was the Sunday school girl. Many, many years I watched my dad be an alcoholic. And someone was so faithful to drive the van and come get me. And I probably wore the same dress every time. But what's that line that you said? That the end, that that Sunday is going to become a dream that never ends. And here I am, and I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful. Praise his name. Anybody else just want to share tonight? Fourteen through sixteen says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come timidly and scared. What? Let us come boldly. With confidence. Why? Because we belong there. We belong there. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Linda. Come boldly. Anybody else just want to give God praise? You don't want to miss a blessing. You got it. right just be still he's got us he cares about us we will need him to fill us we can wait on him amen trust in the lord trust in the lord be a prisoner of hope amen be a prisoner of hope don't be a prisoner of the world be a prisoner of hope tonight praise his name would you bow your heads let's let's pray together tonight god you are so good to us, and we give you praise tonight. God, I thank you that we can come boldly to your throne. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to be worried about what other people think. We don't need to worry about what people are going to think when we walk out of here and how, how on fire we are and the glory. We don't need to be like Moses and cover our face. We don't need that. We want others to see what we have because you are in control of our life. God, help us as we leave this place tonight to put our trust in you, to put our hope in you, and rest knowing you will fight for us. 
Thank you, Jesus, for this week. Thank you for this commencement service. May we trust you every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. yours yes here hear the word of the lord one more one more time here Let's see yeah. psalm 1 135 i wait for the lord i expectantly wait mm -hmm. and in his word do i hope yeah. amen amen we can expect great things amen Expect it. Expect great things today as you leave. God loves you and so do I. Have a great week. Amen.